I like that extra challenge, that ambitious goal setting, and developing from scratch a web agency in two years was an intellectual challenge. All the CO2 footprint discussions that are ongoing, there is one element that is sure. We are part of the discussion, but we are definitely also part of the solution. Communication is really key. That's something that quite a lot of CIOs underestimate. I mean, it's proven. You need to repeat at least six, seven times the same message before people even start understanding. Failure is an option. You're allowed to make failures as long as you learn from them and you don't make the same failure twice. Set out a strategy, stick to it and ensure that it's being executed. This is CRNA TV. My name is Hendrik Dekkers. I'm here today with Guido Lemaire, who is the uh, Chief Information Officer of the Belgian Railways. A very warm welcome, Guido. Thank you, Hendrik. Guido, you have a marketing degree from Group T in Leuven, Belgium, uh, and you started your career as a product manager at Telenet. You worked for quite a uh, time in the telco industry uh, for several providers, Mobile Viking, Scarlet, Proximus, and then in 2014, you moved to the financial sector and worked for Worldline. You were hired in 2017 into the Belgian Railways and you became the CIO there in 2018. So, Guido, tell us a bit more about yourself and why the hell did you move from marketing to IT? Yes, uh, like you indicated, so from an educational point of view, Indeed, I'm a marketeer um, because I always will put this, the customer central, be it the external customer, be it the internal customer. Mm -hmm. And w with that focus uh, in 2000, uh, I mean, the telecom sector was quite young. Um, I entered in what was assumed to be a really technical position. Yeah. But I never step away when, when a challenge is being offered. Um, and I definitely saw a challenge in oh, technical product development. Um, what I discovered two days in position is that being a marketeer amongst engineers was my biggest added value. Yeah. So I started developing products from a marketing point of view, but in combination with marketeers. Um, I also like the challenge of, of educating myself on a technical level and grow quite fast in that area. Mm -hmm. So with that attitude being uh, between engineers, we developed quite a lot of products. For example, the first uh, fiber access product for Fortelnet was developed in that way. Okay. Um, not because it was technically feasible, but because customers needed it. And I pursued my career in, in, in those kind of functions. Um, I ended up at a certain moment in time, uh, again, at Telnet, uh, where I combined technical product management with sales and then go to market, where I was assigned as, as a segment manager for uh, positioning Telnet on the SME market. Mm -hmm. um, at a certain moment in time, things evolve, uh, an organization grows in maturity and decides, okay, we're going to shift to something else. And at that moment, I was offered the opportunity uh, by Duco to say, I am going to do something with media, but I don't know what yet. You need to develop a web agency internally within Telnet. Um, things will evolve. Um, that was the, the first time that I met with IT. And I mean, the, the thing that pops up always in my career is I like that extra challenge, that, that ambitious goal setting um, and developing from scratch an, a web agency in two years was an intellectual challenge. It's a nice challenge. Absolutely. Uh, and so I stepped into, um, I had the magnificent opportunity to, for the first time ever, start, in fact, the development uh, environment with, with quite a lot of really cutting-edge technologies in a greenfield situation. I mean, looking back, I mean, each CIO would dream of that. Um, so magnificent uh, opportunity, learned to, to step up the, the full path from being with seven, ending up with 200 and the need for supporting tools, etc. Yeah. Um, and then went with that experience to Worldline where I did in, in fact exactly the same, but also combined it with new operational processes because the challenge was there, uh, stepping into an organization which had a history with banks, etc. 
um, which wanted to go disruptive in certain business models, uh, which was uh, busy with acquisitions. And uh, I mean, having the opportunity to execute due diligence, uh, combine it with IT, do it abroad because we developed a new operating model for Czech Republic. Um, I mean, those kind of challenges really push me to, to, on one hand, intellectually speaking, the limits mm-hmm. from time to time. And on the other hand, that extra challenge of still achieving those goals is really magnificent. And then yeah. from that experience, um, when then suddenly the SNCB pops up, um, from an external point of view, SNCB um, looked like a challenge. Um, it was also the first time that I met with a governmental context, which is always uh, really particular. Yeah. And I mean, I stepped into the SNCB with, with the demand, combine your technical expertise, combine your marketing expertise, and restore a relationship with the business, uh, which I did. Yeah. Uh, so after six months, uh, we were again on, I, I wouldn't call it speaking terms because the, the, there was always a bridge, but the relationship as, mm-hmm. as such was not at the level that you could expect and yeah. that was needed to transform the SNCB. And then when Giovanni, the, the seating CIO, left uh, in April 2018, I was assigned as CIO. On one hand, given the technical expertise at hand, and on yeah. the other hand, also the fact that I was able to build bridges between business and IT. Okay. Now, let's first maybe um, give the audience a bit of context. Uh, SNCB, the Belgian Railways, what, what, what part of the trains are, are we talking about? And, and how, how big is this in, I don't know, revenue, number of people, uh, and so on? Yes. Oh, so some key figures. I mean, the Belgian Railway Company is a, is a company that transports on a yearly basis 250 million citizens. Well, mm-hmm. uh, a number of employees approximately 18,000. Um, and, and of course, I mean, our reasons of existence is being that public service provider for uh, railway transport, uh, passenger transport in Belgium. When I'm reflecting to the IT organization mm-hmm. as such, um, important to, to, to mention is that uh, the IT services to the Belgian railway company and all its subsidiaries is being provided by IPTO, which is a 100% by SNCB owned company, um, and which provides all IT services. So within IT, IPTO, we are, uh, let's say, on a payroll uh, in Belgium at this stage, approximately 300. Um, mm-hmm. We enrich that with approximately 300 uh, Belgian consultants, mm-hmm. uh, contractors. And uh, in order, and, and we'll definitely will come on that uh, as well, seeing the liberalization, seeing the need to split on one hand the operator and on the other hand the network infrastructure. Um, In the uh, the end of 2018, beginning 2019, we stepped into a a strategic partnership with uh, Tata Consultancy Services. Mm -hmm. And we now, uh, at the end of uh, Tata Consultancy Services, are deploying approximately 1,000 200,300 TCS associates. So in total, it's an organization of approximately 1,800 people providing IT services to to the SNCB. And when I'm referring to IT, um, it's going really broad. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not just the traditional IT of of being infrastructure, laptops, etc. It's also all applications. but also, and that's that's quite a challenge, uh, an in- interesting area. Um, all building management systems. Okay. We own the one of the biggest CCTV uh, camera networks uh, of Belgium. Um, it's related to software on trains. Um, we are one of. I mean, we, we own quite a lot of buildings, some building management systems. So it's it, IT and OT. Yeah, it's really di- quite diverse. Okay. 18,000 people, 1,800 around that uh, in IT. And tell us a little bit, what was the situation when, when you took over the role as, as a CIO? What, I, I don't know, what maturity level was the IT organization at that moment? Yes. Um, seen the past, because uh, IPTO at a certain moment in time found this bird in, in, in a project organization. Um, at that moment, we were implementing SAP. 
Um, and together with the project organization, at a certain moment in time, we created IPTO. Uh, when I entered in April 2018, um, I'm always telling, we come with the past. Um, we had three years of uh, a people turnover of 30%. Wow. Um, and from a CMMI level perspective, I would say that at that moment we were at uh, a level zero. Wow. Um, so on one hand, you could say, oh, that's a problem. That's an opportunity. I, I'm always saying it as an opportunity. Um, yeah. It allows you to do a tabula rasa and it allows you to say, I'm going to bring an organization from rather being a risk yeah. towards really that that trusted co-creator that can digitalize the SNCB. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what we did. And um, the first thing that we addressed to do so is there was that legal obligation to split the network from the operator. Mm -hmm. um, like I mentioned earlier, we, we stepped into the collaboration really end of 2018, uh, beginning in 2019. By May 2019, we had built uh, a full cloud infrastructure because we, we have a cloud-first strategy. Mm -hmm. uh, we did build a, a completely new from scratch data center, and those were the foundation services. Based on those, we had to migrate 500 applications, oh. which we completed in uh, June 2020. Mm -hmm. We missed the, the, the initial deadline with six months, but given the challenge of 500 applications, mission accomplished. Yeah. And in parallel, we were running multiple transformations, uh, organizational, uh, technical, shifting your applications from, from on-premise legacy data centers to cloud. It brings quite a complexity. We did it all in parallel. Mm -hmm. um, and no surprise, I mean, the biggest challenge definitely was and is uh, organizational transformation management, where you need to turn the, the, the mind of people from also perception, we are a problem, towards we can contribute and we can make the difference. Yeah. So that's, I mean, in a nutshell, the challenge that was at hand when I started. That was a big challenge. I mean, yeah. maturity level, very, very low. Big drivers of change was you need to separate the company in two and split all the applications. As an enabler, because at, as such, that was just a technical mean and a legal obligation. Mm -hmm. At the end, the key ambition beyond that decision and, and beyond the fact that, was, that I was assigned as a CIO was definitely turn like we do at the SNCB, that mind shift of the full organization towards yeah. customer-oriented thinking and, and, and living and yeah. breathing also in your IT organization. Yeah. So you had to start building trust with the, with the business again because the trust was not, not there anymore. Correct. And you had to build almost like a complete new IT organization, new model and so on. So, so how did you start with that? Yes. Um, I was assigned in April 2018, and in, in May, uh, sorry, 18, yes, and in May 2018, I pushed forward a, a mission statement, mm -hmm. and that mission statement was like, quite simple as such: uh, we want to be the trusted uh, co-creator of the SNCB, enabling the digitalization of the SNCB, mm -hmm. applying IT best practices, and that summarizes it all. Yeah. Um, and as long as you repeat, I mean, it's proven, you need to repeat at least six, seven times the same message before people even start understanding and before things start to adopt. As a marketeer, you know voilà. the exactly. of Exactly, and, I, and um, I think that's something that quite a lot of CIOs underestimate, the aspect of communication, because it's not because you do things right that you will be valued for it. Mm -hmm. So communication is really key. Um, and we took that as well internally as externally focusing. One of the, for example, the key fears when we started with the collaboration of TCS mm -hmm. was um, quite a lot of, of our dear colleagues are going to be outsourced um, and TCS is coming in. I said, of, as from day one, nobody is going to leave the company. We will grow and I need you all. Yeah. Um, we did the full transition without losing one employee. So stating what you want, repeat it time after time and stick to the promise. 
Once you do that, trust is being built. Mm -hmm. And of course, um, you always look for that, that what I call a bright spot. Um, trust comes when you're able to show we can shift either in mindset, in attitude, but mainly deliver. Because yeah. at the end, the sole thing that still matters to business is you put in place the commitment that you made. Yeah, because you can communicate as much as you want. If you don't deliver on time and within budget and so on. You can on, then, communicate whatever you want. Yeah, then it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. So how did you, what were the steps in rebuilding uh, the trust with and, and the relationship with the, with the business? Well, even up to today, we still take the same approach. Um, I'm, all, I'm somebody that always will look for the end-to-end. -end. Um, so the best approach to do so is you take a certain population within your organization, mm -hmm. um, you address the problem from end-to-end, -end, and you start delivering in an iterative way. Um, and that's exactly what we did. Um, the first thing that we did was take an internal customer uh, not as such going straight away for that external customer. Mm -hmm. Internal audience that we selected as first was everything related to train drivers. Okay, so you looked at the journey of the train driver and how you could digitalize that, uh, yeah. that and, and create a better journey for them. Yeah, and always with the same methodology. Uh, for example, for train drivers, uh, I joined the train driver for a day, went on the train, uh, discovered why, how are you doing things, why are you doing things, how do you need to do things that at least you understand what the hell is happening on the terrain? Yeah. Um, then I first, some of my teams also, you go on the terrain and discover what is happening. Mm -hmm. And then it's always the same. You start up user groups. Um, you listen, really, what is the need, your challenge. Um, and you go as fast as possible to a bright spot. You, you need to put something in, in, in production which allows business to trust you and say, mm, apparently they are able to deliver. So you need to deliver something tangible pretty quickly. That's, that's your strategy. Pretty quickly, but also something which covers one of the most critical, critical and, needs yeah. and that says, ah, it can help indeed. Okay. Because also from a, a cultural a mind shift, people need space to adapt, especially mm -hmm. if they've been doing it for the last 20 years in, in, in a certain way. Yeah. Um, and starting from that first bright spot, you create the next bright spot, the next, and then you go in an iterative way, uh, agile, mm -hmm. uh, for, we completed, I think now in, in a little bit more than 18 months, we almost fully digitalized the train driver experience. Okay. And what does that mean for him? It means he has a, I don't know, a phone, a tablet or whatever, and is his schedule or how can I yes. visualize what, what you've done for them? Um, we're coming from a situation where they received quite a lot of info uh, on, on paper. Mm -hmm. uh, they also had, and we had a famous Palos reportage on that one, um, where they had a really old legacy Windows tablet which came with a weight um, and which was never used. Um, Reason was simply, it was at a distance of two meters, you, you just were, was not able to read the screen. Um, so, and that you discover when you go on a terrain and, and see yourself, why are you not using that uh, material already available? Besides that, quite a lot of paper. Uh, it's about what will be the journeys that I will execute today? Um, what are the security messages? Um, what is I, my expected energy consumption? How do I need to drive? What are the speeds that are allowed from A to station A to station B? Uh, there is so many that they get on paper. And besides that, when they, uh, for example, shift from train driver at a certain station, there is an handover to be done. Um, also from a planning perspective, early in the morning, uh, a train driver is ill, you get updates on paper. I mean, it was quite complex and manually driven. Now, in the meanwhile, uh, all that experiences have been digitalized. Mm -hmm. um, planning is being pushed on your, they all have a personal tablet. They all get their personal routes. They, um, for example, they, in the past they needed to flag, I'm now passing stations of Leuven. Yes, I passed. They did take note of which hour when they did. On paper. On paper. <laughs> 
now all those things happen automatically based on GPS positions. Uh, it all has been automated. Security messages are being pushed. We are able to track, did they read the messages? For example, works ongoing, lower your speed. Um, we combined it now with um, eco-driving. So we, we, we indicate you're driving too fast. You, you should slow slow down because anyhow you need to uh, uh, you have a hold at hand at, at one kilometer slow down uh, because we are one of the biggest energy consumers of Belgium oh, yeah. um, so slow down your speed optimize your uh, your consumption also I mean lower your CO2 footprint mm -hmm. all those elements have been automated and at the end when a driver stops, the report as such is being generated completely automatically okay. and is injected straight away in back-office systems. Well, so that, was, so that was your first big delivery was an internal new, the journey of the train driver digitalized that, uh, that journey. And that was a, a first step to gain trust again. Yep, exactly. And, and also to, because you used the word to do a co-creation Together with the with the train drivers, together with the business side. Yeah, yeah, yep, absolutely. Okay, and what was this, the next step? Well, the next step is um, repeat something that works. Um, so then I've put forward the challenge of let's now face on our external customers, mm -hmm. our citizens, our two hundred fifty million citizens on a yearly basis that make use of our service. Yeah. Um, they had clear demands. So exactly the same approach uh, in really close collaboration and, and again, I mean, with the support of business because there was a relationship that was established. So the marketing and sales department together with IT, uh, I mean, we had a multitude of user groups, mm -hmm. seniors, uh, students, uh, daily communicators. Tell me what are your needs? What are your concerns? What, what do you need? Yeah to be a more happy customer than today. Mm -hmm. um, we had tons of, of really valuable input and we started digitalizing that experience. Um, things that, with the same approach, eh? uh, create a bright spot, go for the next steps, industrialize it and put it on a bigger scale. Um, things that came out of that track, like we did a full rebuild of the website. Um, we incorporated a completely new route planner, um, which integrated real-time data because the old one was quite statical. Yeah. Um, we enriched that with, for example, integration to all other public transport means. Uh, so if you now, you can, for example, now you're able to do a route planning that says, I'm, what's my home address and what's the destination address I need to go to? You can select, uh, I want to use bus, train, uh, I want to go by bike, car. You can all select that and we will push you because that's the sole thing as a customer that interests you, your door-to-door -door experience. Yeah. Um, but also, we, everything is going now to up. Everything is going to mobile. Um, so we, we started with a full rebuild of, of the mobile app. Um, <coughs> COVID pops up. What does it mean really when, when you really have your customer in, in, in the heart of your thinking and your mind? Um, people are afraid to take, take the train. Of course. Okay, let's build something uh, which represents the train occupation ratio. Is it safe to take the train? Okay, we incorporated that. We did it in three months. Mm -hmm. um, but also new needs pop up. Uh, the next generation, and, and we can tell that, I mean, that's now alive. Um, in the past, you, you had a, a fixed uh, subscription to go to Brussels because you went to Brussels each day. Yeah. Now teleworking is there. Uh, nobody needs a full-time subscription yeah. to go to Brussels. Uh, five days a week, is, times are gone. Times are gone. So you need more flexible uh, subscription models. Yeah. Okay, We developed a more flexible subscription model. It's now in a test. Uh, always the same sequence, you do a pilot, you debug, you experience, mm, are things according to customer's experiences? If yes, okay, you push it to the next phase. And that's the same model which we use in an interim way, and for example, our external customers, in all segments. Um, we digitalized, for example, the passes. Uh, 
students are used to, to work with, with the 10, uh, 10 I read a card, in English you, you would call it the, the 10 trips. The trips, yeah, the, thanks. Um, the 10 trips, um, we digitalize that as well. Uh, so digitalization, not as such from a technical point of view, mm -hmm. but still the marketeer in me that says it needs to have a mean. It yeah. needs to create value for the company. Okay, so you started this journey three years ago from CMMI zero. So where would you estimate that you are today after doing first the internal first transformation programs and, uh, and, and the external ones, the new website, app, Good planner and so on. I would say um, we are on the same my level two, mm -hmm. and I mean the ambition definitely is to grow each eighteen months a CMMI level, um, mm -hmm. and that that's quite a pace. Uh, it, it puts it it puts a stretch on your organization if you have that as an ambition. Okay, so your vision is that you will be on the level four in in uh, in, in three years. Yes. Okay, and that's I mean. When you look towards the outsourcing uh, contract with data consultancy services, at the moment that normally we come to the end of, of our first iteration with data consultancy mm -hmm. services, that ambition level should be reached. Okay. And so what is today on the agenda? What are the, uh, what are the next steps that you're going to take to get from level two to four to do the, yes. the next maturity levels? Um, there are some key core tracks on which we keep focusing. One is, for example, become a process-driven organization. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody in my organization knows that. And um, a process never is final. There is always room for continuous improvement. So the base foundation has been set, and now it's up to optimizing, uh, optimizing from a process perspective, mm -hmm. but also keep focusing on, on getting bit by bit a more efficient IT organization. Uh, be it in your build, be it in your run, be it in your security management. Yeah. Um, so clear core tracks in each activity domain from an IT point of view mm -hmm. have been set out and, and are progressing. Okay. How far are you in the journey to become or, or to use agile and, and, and the agile way of working both for development and, and, and DevOps and, and so on? Uh, yeah. How would you describe that? Um, it's a little bit a mixed story in the mm -hmm. sense of uh, we are in a governmental contract, uh, context. So we are also on an SNCB side, on a Belgian railway uh, side. We are shifting from a traditional yearly forecasting model to a rolling forecasting model. Because at the end, we want to go for a full safe deployment. Um, are we there already? Then the answer definitely is not yet. Mm -hmm. However, within IT... We are in, in quite a lot of areas quite mature in agile development already. Mm -hmm. So everything, for example, for stations, we have a station foundation program. It's full agile. Everything for marketing and sales, full agile. The, the continuous development for our train drivers, mm -hmm. full in agile. doesn't mean we are an agile company. Uh, when you want to go full agile and safe uh, on, on, on an industrial scale, there is more that is needed. Yeah. It remains the goal. Okay. That's also, well, it takes some, some, some time as well. So that's it, it will take three years. Three years before you're completely in, uh, organized as an agile organization, um, level four maturity. So you talked about, and uh, I was amazed about that, that trains are one of the biggest energy consumers in, in, in the country. So that means that efficiency of the trains is also an, an important thing. Are you, are you um, uh, implementing programs for that as well? well I mentioned earlier eco-driving. Mm -hmm. uh, and eco-driving is definitely one of the key elements. Um, in the future, uh, because what is very particular on trains is a train is supposed to, to run for at least 30 years. Mm -hmm. So if, you, if we bought material... 25 years ago, it's still running. And from a digital capability perspective, it's extremely limited. Uh, it's also fully regulated. So going quite disruptive on old rolling stock is difficult. Is difficult. Yeah. 
However, in new material, for example, the, the M7 that we are now putting into production, those capabilities are available. Yeah. And it allows you to, to investigate possibilities, for example, for proactive train maintenance, yeah. uh, predictive uh, train maintenance, um, and that also improves on a continuous basis your efficiency. Yeah. But in fact, all digitalizations contribute to that. And what nobody must forget is that we are a public railway company and our core service is assuring transport for, for the Belgian citizens. Yeah. And at the end, our it's on one hand efficiency, on the other hand, uh, our key objective is If you look towards the five key objectives of the SNCB, one of them is uh, getting on, on, on a human resources management perspective, a modern organization, become financially sound. Mm -hmm. And everything that, for example, digitalization can contribute, can contribute to both. Yep. But also have more efficient processes. Um, and that's where digitalization absolutely contributes. Okay. Now you're um, still a marketeer at heart. So that means customer is central in, uh, in, in your thinking. Um, I understood that you also are building a customer data platform. Can you talk a little bit about that? What's, what's the, the goal of this program and how far you're in the development of that? Yes. Um, what is particular on, on the Belgian Railway Company and, and even uh, imposed by law uh, is that You can travel anonymous from a station A to a station B. Mm -hmm. By law, it's imposed. But that means that for the vast majority of our customers, I know that Hido traveled from a zone A to a zone B, and that's basically it. Um, seeing the upcoming liberalization uh, and the need to become more competitive, mm -hmm. um, And also to be more customer-oriented, we, we, we have put in place, it's in production, a customer data platform, which will be the central point on which we, on one hand, gather information, but also tr will try to tailor information. If we know, for example, that Hilo is traveling each Wednesday from uh, Aarschot to Brussels, um, and roadworks are planned uh, somewhere on, on, on the Uh, the railway, we can inform Guido about the fact that probably his train will have a delay or will have a hold extra. Those kind of info allows you to anticipate better and provi uh, provides you at the end a, buster, uh, a better customer experience. Yeah. So you need to give the customer an, an extra service, extra information in order for him to give you his unique identification so that you can have Can, can gather more information about your customers and, and, and as such provide a better service to everybody. That's correct. At the end, it's always, and that also means thinking in, in, in customer uh, needs, is you need to think what's in for them. Mm -hmm. And I mean, for example, the things that we do with the, the mobile app, definitely, uh, but also MySNCB, where you can have an account, mm -hmm. um, allows you to, on one hand, Ease in your customer experience. For example, if you have got a MySNCB account, you can do a renewal of your ab ab uh, abo, your subscription now online. Yeah. In the past, you needed to go to the station. Yeah, of course, I mean, the fact that you do it online allows us, the Belgian Railway Company, yeah. to anticipate, for example, on the fact that, dear Guido, your uh, subscription is going to expire. Yeah. Please do a renewal at hand and uh, prevent that a certain moment in time You're, be, you're being controlled on a train and you come to the, the, the observation that your uh, subscription expired and potentially you could get a fine. Yeah. So all those elements, it's always what's in for them. And at the end, both parties, our, yeah. our daily citizens, and, and we benefit from it. Now, what is interesting is mobility as a service. You already mentioned that. that, that I mean, the railways are an, 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 a crucial part in the total mobility solution of, of, uh, of the citizens. So that means that more and more you need to exchange data with many different, uh, different parties, with the buses, with the trams, with, uh, with God knows who. Um, what, what is your strategy um, there? Because the railways are kind of part of an ecosystem, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I already indicated that, for example, in the route planner, we, we integrated already all transport means. So mm-hmm. we already opened uh, up to a certain level. We also have an open data interface, so in which we provide quite a lot of data already uh, to third parties who want to develop uh, applications. Mm-hmm. To answer on the question on Mars, uh, the Belgian railway company, uh, driven by, by the teams of marketing and sales, is still figuring out because I mean, how to deploy Mars, because mm-hmm. in Mars there are multiple flavors possible. Yeah. Um, and it's also... Uh, a debate that uh, needs to be addressed uh, together with the Belgian government on, yep. on, difficult, uh, on different levels. Um, from a data perspective, we, we launched in 2019 a master data management, uh, enterprise data management program, uh, which will structure all those kind of datas, uh, data sets, uh, real-time, non-real-time, because in, in transport there is quite a lot of real-time data, uh, which always puts puts an extra challenge on how to, to get things structured yeah. in a scalable way. All those things are being put in place. And once the Belgian Railway company made up its mind on this is the mass model that we can agree upon with all, colla- yeah. uh, all key players on the terrain, from an IT point of view, we will be ready. Yeah. Now, what we see in, in, in happening in the market is that um, more and more different types of companies are starting to collaborate with each other. Telco companies and banks and insurance company and mobility company. I mean, I can book a, a ticket for the cinema on my banking app and, and pay for a, a parking ticket on, on, on my Telco app. And how do you see the role of, of the Belgian Railway Company yeah. in that? Um, I don't know if you're aware, but for example, in the same app, you can buy a railway ticket. Um, so I'm not a good customer, probably. <laughs> I wouldn't phrase it that way. Um, you still didn't find a way. Um, so, I mean, we already collaborate with, with some key players. Um, also towards um, real uh, travel agencies, we clearly have already partnerships. Um, and, I mean, we, we have... We are investigating and we, we did experiments in the past, for example, can we team up with, with uh, car rental companies? Can we team up with, uh, in, in, in Brussels, for example, we had Wietrot. So, I mean, there are so many possibilities. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, in the past collaboration with, with bike providers, etc. We experimented. Um, from a strategy point of view, it's not yet fully clear. Mm-hmm. But again, from a data perspective, um, from within IT, we are preparing with data sets that once the ecosystem is, is being defined, we, we can anticipate quite fast. Okay. Now, you mentioned several times that in the government organization, things change as, at a different pace and there's more levels of decision-making probably. So that must be very different. than, than I mean, you worked in telco, you worked in finance, and, and, and government things are a little bit different. Uh, yeah, check in the box. Um, it was... Absolutely, personally speaking, the biggest adaption that, that I did uh, mm-hmm. to myself in the sense of, by nature, um, and you can question everybody in my organization, I mean, by nature, I'm impatient. <laughs> Things need to move on. But I'm always saying there is no problem for which there is no solution. Mm-hmm. So um, the answer is quite f- simple. If things are going slower than compared to the private-owned sector, you just start up multiple things in parallel yeah. and you keep them at a certain pace. Yeah. Um, and at the end, that's also the, way, uh, the reason and, and, and the way we succeeded in, in doing so much in three years. Yeah. But your challenge is still going to be there, at least for another three years. Yeah, ab- yeah absolutely. Okay. Uh, absolutely. How about your, your team? I mean, uh, you already explained 1,800 in total, including 1,200 from TCS, 300 internal, external consultants, and so on. The, what is the turnover today? Because you said that when back three, four years ago, you had a turnover of 30% of your yes. team that left every year. So every three years, you had a completely new team. How is the situation on that front I, today? I, I checked the figures this morning. Okay. Um, it's a coincidence, but I checked them this morning. Um, in the last year, we had a turnover of 5%. 5%. Okay. Um, and 5% is, in an IT sector, uh, it's standard. I think it, we are in really good shape in that area. Mm-hmm. Certainly knowing that COVID, um, COVID was 
is a game changer for the IT sector in multiple domains. Yeah. Uh, but also people started to reflect in the COVID crisis on, am I at a good place? And I expect now that business is restarting again and the return to the office is being uh, started, I expect to grow turnover in the full IT sector. Generally speaking, we will go on, on, on a double-digit uh, figure, I think. Okay. How do you create successful teams? And how do you hire top talent in, in a government organization that didn't have the best reputation a couple of years ago? How do you, how do you manage that? Well, if you, look, if you look from a distance, I mean, how many companies in Belgium you're able to tell to somebody that is hey, willing to, to, to work in IT that you're in an organization that is in a full transformation, um, that where you can have on a daily basis impact on 250 million citizens using your product, yeah. um, and where if you see all the CO2 footprint discussions that are ongoing, there is one element that is sure. I mean, we are part of the discussion, but we are definitely also part of the solution. Yeah. So having that in mind and, and seeing the number of digitalization challenges in so many domains, if you see the candidate, I mean, the closing rate is quite high uh, due to the simple reason that we are quite unknown. Mm -hmm. But once you tell what we are all doing, I mean, I don't need to tell more. I mean, people are convinced that they can contribute. Okay. So we can show them this video now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Good, Guido. Let's talk a little bit about the about your role, the role of the CIO in in, in a big um, rail company today. How do you, how do you look at that? And how was that five years ago? And how do you see the role of the CIO today? Uh, your fundamental role, and how do you see that changing in the, in the, in the future? Yeah. I think certainly in, in older sectors, like, like railway definitely is one, is I saw, I see CEOs, um, CIOs that are still quite a lot occupied with, with technology. Mm -hmm. um, I see the role of a CIO in, in a company like the Belgian Railway Company, which is in a full transformation. Uh, I see myself rather as, as a leader mm -hmm. that, uh, that understands technology completely, uh, but technology is just for me a mean that I use. Um, as a manager speaking, my role is to set out goals, realistic but amb ambitious goals, mm -hmm. uh, push my teams to the moment that they say, Yes, we did this together because yep. team is really key for me. Um, and my role is to set out the guidelines, ensure that the strategy is, is being kept and that everybody is on a daily basis remembered on the mission statement that I mentioned earlier because it's, it's, it's near to my office on the wall. Everybody that doubts even two seconds, I'm, I'm always referring to the mission statement. So set out the strategy stick to it and ensure that it's being executed. Okay. How would you describe your, I mean, you have a, a team around you of your direct report. How would you describe your management style? Um, I think that everybody will agree about the fact that I'm impatient, um, that I set ambitious goals, but from a management perspective, I'm so, somebody that uh, delegates Everybody is willing to take up challenges and everybody walks home in the evening when he says, I had a contribution today. Mm -hmm. And so I delegate, I give people mandate, um, but also with, I, with great, I'm always saying with great responsibility also comes great accountability. So I delegate, but I expect people to deliver. Um, and I do nothing more, but also nothing less. And from a management style perspective is, I'm, I'm rather thinking like an American in that area. Uh, you take a responsibility and you act accordingly. Okay. Now that's your management style. Let's talk about leadership a little bit. And maybe we can address the question from the angle, well, how do you think you are perceived as a leader? What do you think the people around you, how do they talk about you when you're, when you're not around in, in leadership terms? I don't know what they tell, but I think um, 
They will mention certainly two key words. Mm-hmm. One is impatience and ambitious. Um, and I'm really putting always the that extra challenge because, like I mentioned in the introduction, what gives me the, that professional satisfaction is that complex challenge, realizing it and setting down the result. Yeah. Um, and everybody that knows me knows that that's the way I operate. Um, and I expect really, and I try to do the same, I stick to the word that, that I gave. Yeah. Um, and that's really, that's, that's important. Could you maybe give an example of, of, of uh, a situation or uh, something that happened that illustrates your leadership style? Yes. Um, so, okay, for example, transparency. I find transparency really key because mm-hmm. if you want trust, trust comes along with transparency. You need to be honest when things go well and when things go wrong. Um, we did put forward a certain way of we want to report on project status reports. Um, it sounds easy. I'm managing in parallel approximately 250 projects. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting your project status reporting at a level that it's trustworthy um, is an absolute challenge yeah. because it comes with the maturity of your PMO organization, etc. We did put forward one year ago uh, some key milestones and one of them was I wanted to have in June this year my dashboard ready. Um, like always in these kind of projects, quite a lot of people are involved. Quite a lot of people need to have an opinion mm-hmm. and a right to have an opinion. But it can slow you down. Yeah. Um, my role of a leader is to ensure that, yes, you can tell your uh, opinion. Yes, your input is valuable. But no, the deadline of end of June won't shift. Um, So as a leader, you need to remind on a daily basis your teams, dear team, we did set out a goal. We are not going to miss the goal. And at the end, you have to take decisions as well. Yes. That's an important thing as well. Yeah. Let's talk a bit more about you as a person. So we talked about the business, the challenges, the, uh, the, the last three years, what you implemented, the vision for the next three years, how IT is organized, your management and your leadership style. Now, on, on, on a personal level, what is it that, that drives you? What is it that makes you happy in, 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 in your day-to-day job? I, I mentioned already multiple times that, that, that extra challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm working quite a lot of hours and, and sometimes my wife asks me, but why the hell are you doing that? And, and the answer is always the same because it brings fun. Uh, it's, it's that challenge and um, it's really motivating me, personally speaking, mm-hmm. that I've got a strong management team around me that allows me together to achieve uh, each day again those ambitious milestones and, and be able to drive an organization of 1,800 people towards a completely new mind shift and putting in really to the DNA of an organization that customer focus. Yeah. So the extra challenge. Okay. Now, in our interviews, we use the Myers-Briggs uh, personality type as a common thread. Okay. And you shared with us that you have an ASTJ. Yep. Um, a personality also known as the executive. And I'm going to read a couple of sentences about uh, your personality type. So an uh, ASTJ is someone who is extroverted, observant, thinking and judging. And they possess great fortitude, empathically following their own sensible judgment. And they often serve as a stabilizing force among others able to offer solid direction amid adversity. Strong points of somebody with your personality uh, type typically are that they are dedicated, strong-willed, they are direct and honest, loyal, patient and reliable, they enjoy creating order and they are excellent organizers. Does that fit the bill? Uh, 
let's say for 90%, yes, the part of patience definitely is not true. Uh, <laughs> so I'm quite a patient uh, person from, from nature. Mm -hmm. um, but I think everybody in my organization will confirm that I'm always going for that, that structured approach. Um, that's, for example, why I did put forward, we need to become a process-driven organization. Yeah. Comma, where still people make the difference. Um, because it's, we come from a pure business-driven, for example, model, where we stated, I mean, everybody knew each other and, and things happen because we, we know each other. Mm -hmm. um, when you go to an organization of 1800, it no longer works that way. Yeah. So processes, structure. I, I can recognize me for, for, for the big part. And, and um, I'm always also making the distinction between being persistent and being stubborn. Um, I'm saying for myself that I'm not stubborn. Um, I always have good arguments and you're able to, if you're able to convince me. Um, <laughs> um, but I'm always open um, for revising my, my opinion. Um, okay. Sometimes it, it even gives frustration because it can be the case that, uh, as a I mean, there's nothing worse than a manager that doesn't take decisions. Absolutely. I'm always saying at the evening, if I took this evening eight right decisions and I only missed twice, I had a good day. Yep. Um, but it also results in the fact that it can be the case that two months later you need to revise the two decisions that you took. Okay. Now let's talk about the shadow side because nobody's perfect. Not even you, Guido. Uh, no, uh, not even <laughs> claiming it. <laughs> So the potential weaknesses of somebody with your personality type is that they can be inflexible and stubborn. They can be uncomfortable with unconventional situations. They can be judgmental, uh, sometimes too focused on social status. They have sometimes difficulty to relax or to express emotions. Which ones, maybe from the past, do you recognize and how did you grow as a professional and, uh, and, and as a person out of these uh, weaknesses? Yeah. Well, I mean, for example, the, the part on relaxation is definitely true. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't say that I'm a workaholic, um, but I, lo I love working. But uh, your wife would say it. Uh, she definitely says it. Um, and I mean, relaxation is something that I needed to learn Mm -hmm. uh, from the past and sometimes even with, with hard lessons learned. Uh, but I'm now able, for example, I mean, a typical day takes somewhere between 14 and 16 hours. Um, so if you are not able to at a certain moment in, in time say, okay, shut down, that problem will remain for tomorrow, for tomorrow um, you, you, you can't continue. So I'm... Um, yeah. I'm now an ability, I shut down my laptop, and that's a mental shift. I can relax as from the moment that my, I shut down my laptop. Mm -hmm. Is the weakness? It, it absolutely is. That's, for example, the reason why I have two smartphones. Um, I'm, because otherwise I would be reading mail until I don't know when. At 10 o'clock in the evening, I shut down my smartphone, my work smartphone. My private remains on, but otherwise I, I would... It's it definitely... So it, for you, working hours are until 10 at night? Yes, yeah. Um, and with pleasure. Um, <laughs> and, and everybody in my environment accepts that also because it's so much, so much part of, of who I am mm -hmm. um, that people that know me really well know that I will be unhappy if, if I'm not able to put all those sticks yeah. in the ground and, and put down those results. So in the few hours, in, I don't know, in the weekends maybe, that you have some spare time. The weekend is holy. Okay. In the weekend, how, how, what do you do then to relax? 100% um, uh, family time. Um, uh, typically, I really enjoy doing bike rides uh, with the family, having walks, uh, long walks. Uh, and uh, I'm an absolute car fan. Uh, drive, I have, have a car, uh, convertible. Okay. Uh, so driving with, with, with my wife or with one of the sons, uh, and enjoying a drive of 100 kilometers in, in a nice environment, uh, have a good lunch or dinner, uh, absolutely top of the bill. But not model trains in the... No. Not, not, not <laughs> Every, everybody is joy. Uh, that one uh, skips. <laughs> okay, good. 
you were uh, talking about your family and you uh, shared with us that you have one wife and two children. That's correct. how you describe yep, it, correct. right? One wife, two children. Uh, your youngest um, son is uh, 21. Yep, 21. And the oldest, 24. Yep, correct. So um, both in IT. Yes. So the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, as they say. Despite yeah? the fact that I recommend both of them don't step into IT. Okay. So you see them in the weekend, at least. So what are the, I, I want to get to the question, what are your core values, basically? And so what are the values that you have passed on, together with your wife, to your children? How, what are the values that are important for you to see your children grow up with? Yes. Basically, it comes down to two key elements. Uh, one is uh, failure is an option. Um, uh, I'm always saying you're allowed to make failures as long as you learn from them. Mm -hmm. uh, and you don't make the same failure twice. But failure is an option. And um, for example, my, my youngest son yesterday show, uh, shared with, his, uh, with me his results from the the past uh, exams, um, mm -hmm. excellent results, uh, and he had one uh, which was really below standard. Um, I said, okay, yeah, fine, next time, do you know what what, uh, what went wrong? Yeah, that and then that, okay, lessons learned, continue. Eh? Yeah. Um, and the, the second one is, uh, I wouldn't call it being optimistic, uh, but what I definitely transferred and I see that in both of my sons is that if you can't live when you're having problems you will never live because there will always be a problem mm -hmm. so yes problems are there to be solved and and some problems might exist for really long um, but as such don't allow problems to to touch your joy of life. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really something, it's near to optimism, but optimism can be naive. Um, you, you don't ignore your problems, but you manage them, you handle them. Do you have a personal mantra that you live by, a, a saying that you can use for yourself to, to um, direct yourself? There is no challenge for which there is no solution. Mm -hmm. That's really a mantra. And it can take a while to find a solution yeah. and you can fail multiple times. But at the end, uh, I'm always saying, uh, I discovered 10 times uh, a solution that didn't work. Okay. And it may be the 11th time we will succeed. Are there people in your life that you look up to? People that you learn from? People that were maybe mentors in your life? I mean, um, when I look in, into my early years at, at Tilnet, I can say uh, that, for example, Duco was somebody that in, inspired me in, in multiple ways. Mm -hmm. In the sense of, uh, and I, I use it on a daily basis, it's nice to set out a strategy, but if nobody understands it, um, you can repeat it as much as you want, it won't stick. Um, plus, I learned also that you need to repeat it really multiple times and you need to adapt your communication to your audience. When Duco was in front of investors, he would tell something else than and he was in front of his, his employees. So on that, in that regard, I really, I mean, learned quite a lot. And uh, oh, publicly known, I mean, Simon Sinek, I mean, from time to time, I watch his videos because it can... I wouldn't call it inspire, but it can bring down really complex things to half an hour of video, mm -hmm. and it can give you really nice insights, uh, which you really can use in your daily work. Um, so those two I would put in the corner of being uh, inspirators. Okay. Now, Guido, you are in your early 50s. Eh? So if you reflect back on, these, uh, on this half, century. What was the best thing that has ever happened to you? The best thing that happened to me was um, 2006 being uh, I, having accepted the challenge of, of setting up e-services within Tilnet. Um, 
for twofold. One, uh, I get an, into IT, mm -hmm. which I discovered at that stage, I mean, this is the, professionally speaking, the love of my life. <laughs> I'm, I'm really loving to be in IT. Uh, and on the, the second hand, I mean, it was the biggest challenge and it was the biggest jump into the dark um, because IT was really unexplored uh, for me. It was unknown. Yeah. Um, people trusted me and I picked up a challenge which was really unknown. Yeah. Um, so that was the best thing that happened for me because at the end, it, that was my entry ticket to, yeah. towards IT. And it sounds like it was an opportunity to prove your entrepreneurship. Yes. I'm, I'm always, if people ask me professionally, how would you describe yourself? There are always two sentences. I'm an entrepreneur on payroll. <laughs> uh, and the second one is uh, living the American dream in Belgium. Because if you see my career path, being a marketeer and, a, and a ending where I'm now, mm -hmm. even me wouldn't have thought that 20 years ago. Okay. Now, many good things have happened to you, and uh, but of course we all have our bad things that happen to us as well. So, would you be so open to share maybe one of the worst things that have happened yes. in your life, and, and what did you learn from that? That was also a telnet <laughs> um, in the early years, because it's then when you learn. I mean, uh, I still learn each day, but the hard lessons you get in the, in the beginning of your career. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that happened with I mean, at a certain moment in time, you get up to a level that you generate exposure. Uh, and I was, at a certain moment in time, naive in the sense of, if you realize your goals, everything is fine, um, which is not always the case. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you, I, I had to learn the hard way that sometimes you make enemies, even when trying to achieve your goals. And... I was confronted for the first time with politics, mm -hmm. but the ugly part of politics, because I make a distinction between politics and office dynamics. Um, and and that office dynamics. Yeah. Okay. Office dynamics is you do your lobby, you ensure that uh, if you go and present something that all key stakeholders have been uh, able to tell you, mm -mm -mm, uh, politics is something else. Yeah. Uh, and... That was my first confrontation with politics, um, the hard way, because it costed at the end my job. But I learned also from it. And yeah. when I'm saying I'm an optimist is things happen as long as you learn from it, mm -hmm. you evolve. Okay. Now, maybe on a, on a more personal level, in your life, what is it that you love most and what is it that you fear most? Oh. On, on the personal side, I mean, the best thing that ever happened to me was uh, I left home really early. Okay. Um, at really at a young age. Um, the best thing that ever happened to me was me meeting my wife um, because she's, she's, I mean, the person that can bring me also to, to ease and to, to be calm um, and, and relax. I mean, okay. Um, and... The thing that I fear worst is um, one of my biggest assets is my brain power, my experience, mm -hmm. uh, and everything that I do is intellectually working. Uh, I love handwork, for example, building a shed. I mean, it's ah, oh, you love doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, again, it's the same challenge, but from another angle. But but the the biggest fear is is dementia. Uh, for example, uh, my father-in-law now um, had dementia at a young age, and it's so an awful uh, thing that happens to somebody. It's a degradation process of years, and happening that to to me, being pure intellectual worker, I have I, I can admit that's one of my biggest fears. Okay. These videos are watched by ambitious young professionals that also want to become CIOs of a, CIO of a large organization. With, if you look back over your career the last 20, 30 years, what is the advice that you would give them if they want to reach the position that you have today? 
I think three things. One is do your thinking with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. Listen to your customer internally or externally. And you will be confronted with things that won't work. Be persistent. And I mean, don't let one I mean, throwback keep you from realizing your ideas. Um, Guido, you're um, an, an active member of our CIONet community. You speak on, uh, regularly on events and so on. Why is um, a community of digital leaders, a community in general, why is that important for a professional? I, I think it's extremely important. Um, I, I mentioned earlier, I still learn on a daily basis. I mean, the day that I stop learning is the day that I should stop, certainly within IT. Mm -hmm. So even claiming that I would know everything is just simply impossible. Yeah. Um, having a network, be it of direct report, knowledgeable people, but also peers on which you can fall back and, and share ideas or being challenged. I mean, it's really, really critical for success. Uh, just are, are be able to call a colleague CIO. I've got a problem in cloud and, and GDPR. How did you tackle it? Um, and that you're able to, to get input and, and say, mm, okay, let's invest, investigate some possibilities. Yeah. It really is valuable info that at the end, it ensures that as an individual you can evolve mm -hmm. and on the, end, on the other hand, at the end, at some moment in time, also will save money to the company. So networking and, and, and being part of a community is really critical. So Guido, I would like to thank you so much for uh, sharing your insights, for being here with us today, for your time, uh, your experiences. It was really a pleasure. I, uh, I learned a lot. Thank you so much. Thank you very much as well, Hendrik. Uh, it was really a joy um, and looking forward to meet again on physically on an event. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you.